Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we've got a couple of people on the line already, and we're going to talk a lot about banking, but I'm sure the conversation, since it's always centered around the kingdom, is going to go all over the place before we're done. Uh, we'll have announcements after the break uh, about some of the things that are going on on the network and uh, some of the things that you can get involved in or we can help you with. Uh, but on the line already, we have uh, Paul Bethke is normally with us, uh, working in the studio, kind of watching the chat room. So if you have questions along the way, uh, put them in the chat room and we'll, uh, we'll have them asked right on the air and we'll try to answer your questions. Uh, we also have Don Terry, who's going to be telling a little bit about some of the things that he's doing in relationship to banking and maybe other things as well. Uh, but before we get deep into the program, uh, Paul would like to talk about some things that uh, he's aware of on the network and share them with you. So go ahead, Paul, take it over. Thanks, Greg. Uh, yeah, I just got a prayer request from a sister, Ella Sheba, in she is currently in Dunlap, Tennessee, and apparently they've blown two tires, uh, RV tires, 16 and a half inch, and they don't seem to be able to find any near uh, Dunlap, Tennessee. So if we have people listening in that area or know someone in that area, um, please you know, get a hold of one of us on the network and we can get you in touch with Elisheba and maybe get them going again. They're just looking for some help. That's Dunlap, Tennessee. I think it's maybe 40, 50 miles north of Chattanooga. So uh, since they just called, I figured I'd take this great opportunity to get it out to the network and let's okay. see what we can do. Thank you. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, if any of the contact ministers uh, who are watching the boards, uh, so to speak, on the network, uh, one of them want to get a hold of uh, uh, someone in the group that covers Tennessee, they can post a little statement there and uh, – because I know there's some people, we have a number of people in Tennessee, some really good people, I won't mention their names, uh, but I met them when I was on tour, and uh, they might be near that. I don't know my way around Tennessee, so I'm not even sure what part of Tennessee that is, but those people in Tennessee will know, and that's one of the key reasons why we have the network, is that uh, it's our AAA, AA, every kind of A there is, <laughs> Uh, network so that if you need help, uh, we by networking we can maybe get help to you quickly, and so it'll be interesting to see if it did any good. But uh, those of you who are on the PCM group, uh, somebody might shoot out an email uh, to that there's someone who needs help in Tennessee and to get a hold of you, and then we'll get a hold of whoever and see if we can make something happen. LSU is one of our uh, PCMs, but uh, uh, she doesn't always have internet connections, so evidently she just called another PCM, and now the whole world knows that she needs a 16-inch tire in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see it happen. <laughs> so we see if we can come up with one. I probably got one here, but I'm a long ways away. But that's that's why we have to start networking on a local basis. And anybody who's interested in joining that network, go to hisholychurch.org pull down the drop-down menu. We're putting together a wiki page uh, on our preparingyou.com site, and uh, it's getting organized better. 
so that we want to get representatives in every state. Now, we've got every state covered through the, the email groups, but we want to actually get people on the ground in those states who will become a part of the network and work for a network where people will have only the opportunity of caring about one another. Because if you don't start caring about one another, all the other uh, arguments are null and void. <laughs> They're not going to do you any good. You, you can stand there in the gulag and say, well, I was right. <laughs> but you're still in the gulag. So you want to be more than just right. You want to be righteous. In order to be righteous, you have to actually become a doer of the word. So anyway, we'll we'll talk more about other announcements after the breaks. If you've got questions, put them in the chat room. We do have a call-in number, which I'll let Paul give in a, in a few minutes. Uh, but first, we want to welcome on the call Don Terry. Don, are you there? I'm here. Thank you. Uh, Don, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you do a radio program, too. Um uh, but you must have some purpose to it, so let us know a little bit about the purpose so that people can get to know who you are, and then we'll get into some of the topics that we want to discuss. Well, the the purpose of the radio show, the name of the radio show is Agenda 21, and we, we are on ruleoflawradio.com. <clears throat> but since I used to have a co-host, now it's just me. Well, I've got another guy, Shannon, but I'm taking it in a different direction. We used to talk about law, and, and then the, the Agenda 21 program and now I talk about, as much as I can, biblical things and principles and how it relates to the times we're in and um, uh, things like that. I try to be, if I had a ministry, it would be the end-time revelation, uh, you know, Revelation of John at the end of the Bible, the last book. Uh, it would right. be that because I've learned so much. You know, two years ago I didn't know anything about it. It was like a mystery. And, and now a lot of it has um, come clear in my mind. So that's what I try right. to talk about a lot. Yeah, if, if Revelation can get clear in your mind, that's an achievement because that's one of the most twisted and misinterpreted books. And, of course, that's partly why he wrote it in the way he did is that it's, it's somewhat concealed as to what he was really talking about. And with all prophecies, they're, they're usually giving us information on several different levels of understanding. And so there's always another level of the onion, so to speak, to find out what are they really talking about. But again, if if people aren't doing what it, what Christ called the weightier matters, tending to the weightier matters, knowing the future really isn't going to help you much. So it's very important to turn that doing uh, of Christ's will and God's will into an actual factor in your life. But anyway, we were going to talk about banking and um We've actually last week's show was covering a great deal of it. I talked about it on Blog Talk, the fact that the Golden Calf was actually a central bank, the same as the the statues, Golden Statues in era, uh, Athens was a central bank and actual reserve fund. They actually cut off arms and parts of it from time to time to melt it down to pay uh, bills when they were uh, going to war and. Uh, that's because that's the way they put their treasure uh, out there where everybody could see it. They didn't trust it, putting it in a vault, because if you put it in a vault, how do you know it's still there? And, of course, we have the same problem today with Fort Knox. Nobody knows, is there anything there? <laughs> uh, 
And then even if it was there, who owns it? Uh, we have gone so far away from the very simple concept of just weights and measures, uh, your money in your pocket, uh, that the layers of the problem of modern money, modern banking, uh, modern uh, uh, dealing with uh, buying and selling has become uh, so far away from the very simple precepts of just weights and measures that uh, you could fill up a lot more than a two-hour show and still not have gotten to everything. So is there a particular part of this topic that you'd like to address first, Don? Um, well, I'll just mention that, uh, let's start this way. Uh, I didn't know too much about banking a few years ago. We, I had done legal research and studying criminal law and traffic tickets and stuff. But people started coming to me, people we knew that were having trouble uh, with foreclosures and a credit card debt. So we started helping them doing legal research. And, and um, you know, God reveals to us as, as people come into our lives and the information brought to us just when we need it. So we've learned a lot about banking in the past several years, helping people with foreclosures and and uh, right. credit card debts and things like that. Including uh, myself at one time. I lost my job at one time, so I had, had financial problems. Right. Uh, and... Basically, what uh, let's let's talk about just a basic bank loan. If you go into a bank, how uh, everybody thinks? Well, uh, now everybody, but I know there's a lot of people think that there's a big vault in the back and it's got everybody's deposit, and they take some of that money and they loan it out to you, and then they charge you a little fee, and that allows you to pay a little interest back to the depositor uh, and pay all the light bills at the bank and everything. Although I. I figure they're paying a little bit more than the light bills because it's always the nicest building in town. <laughs> so, but that's not really what's going on when you go into a bank and borrow uh, money to buy a house or buy a car or, or, or expand your business. What, what's really going on when you go into a modern bank? Well, we, we have found out through discovery and uh, some of these foreclosure cases and uh, from <clears throat> material banking books that we've got, these are genuine books. They're not books printed by uh, uh, any, you know, right-wingers or anything. These are genuine books in the textbooks and books bankers use. Is that uh, when you go in for a loan and if they, when, when you slide the promissory note across the table, they slide a check back the other way, the transaction has been equaled because uh, it's a piece of paper for a piece of paper. And what they the bank will do is open a transaction account to supposedly fund that loan they gave you. So they open another account that you can't see. It's called a transaction account. And uh, they just fund it out of the air. They just push some buttons on a computer and poof, it's got whatever your loan value was in it. And uh, it shows up on their books as being balanced, the debits and credits all balanced. So that it's not like that the bank is out anything. They actually just created money right on the spot. Yeah. And, uh, they, their, their, their books show that they haven't made a loss. They're not out any money. And, uh, they still want you though to pay them back. And that's how they get a little extra is because they created the money that they gave to you. And if, if it's money, you know, it's just a piece of paper, a check. They created the, the thing that you've got. So you take the check and you go buy a couch or something, a home, 
and the bank's not out anything, but they right. want you to pay it all back. Plus, uh, they go to the Federal Reserve, and uh, or, or let's put it this way: they they trade that promissory note, they sell it on the market, they bundle it with other promissory notes, and sell it as a either a mortgage-backed security or just another security. Uh, right. They securitize it. So the question of vocabulary got, here is that when we talk about them doing this, we say the bank just created money out of nothing, and really what might be another way of putting it is you just created the money because it's your note that actually created the money. So, you know, it's it's a little bit like the mafia when they want you to play a part of the game. <laughs> You're now in on this deal because whoever accepts those notes, and, it, and like you say, it goes all the way back to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve says right on their website the Federal Reserve notes have no value. Uh, when you go down and get that couch, well, that couch does have a value. I mean, you take a nap on it, you sit on it, <laughs> you know, it's substance, it's hard. Your kids can turn it into Moby Dick, uh, and, uh, you know, or, or whatever. And, uh, it's a real thing and it took real labor to make, but you paid for it with a note that has no value. So there's all kinds of things going on in these transactions that are outside the realm of what God would say is just weights and measures. And so they get you to be a co-conspirator in a plot to do the labor out of the value of what he has given and made. And uh, so it becomes a complex issue. And now... What we're seeing now with millions of people losing their homes, losing their life savings, everybody, you know, I always like to point out at the beginning of this show, everybody had money in their pocket. By the end of the show, it's worth less than it was when you started. It, the value, the, the theoretical non-value value <laughs> of that money is decreasing as you sleep. <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, it's kind of like, and I gave this analogy earlier in the previous show, of, of being washed away. You're, you're kind of caught in this current of falsehoods because the money's not valuable. They didn't actually have any real money to begin with. You helped them create the appearance of money, and then you went out and bought real goods and services with notes that had no value. Uh and, you know, it just becomes an absolute spaghetti mess of chaos and trouble. And so anyway, what you were saying is a lot of people were having foreclosures and you were trying to help them uh, not lose their homes, uh, not lose the homes that they had paid a lot of. When they paid back the bank, they pay it with notes that they actually sweated to obtain and worked to obtain. And it's. It's already a mess because you're uh, kind of enmeshed in this kind of stinky situation. But what did you do to help these people not lose their homes? Um, um, <laughs> that's a kind of a loaded question. There's a lot of stuff. Um, they People have filed suits against the bank, and we have found it's sort of better to wait until they actually foreclose on you and even sell it to file a suit because then they've damaged you. So... Um, they uh, file a suit for wrongful foreclosures. Uh, uh, we've had, had a, after they sell your property, if you don't move out, at least in Alabama, they have to go to court to get an eviction notice. And we have uh, one guy that's been uh, 
about over two years in his home, coming up on three years in his home, and the past year and a half has been an eviction notice. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's past year has been on an eviction notice that he's filed discovery on in court. And uh, so various things, are in, you know, for a bank to have standing to foreclose or any mortgage company or any, any finance company, they have to prove that they have suffered a loss, that you damaged them. So, number one, they have to prove they have the note. And uh, we haven't seen any notes yet that haven't been altered or amended or changed. Uh, sometimes they'll they'll say, okay, you can come down and look at the original notes. So the person goes down and looks. And I was with a guy once when he did that. He looked at it, but it had staple holes in it. It was altered. Uh, it was dog-eared. They had done all kinds of stuff to it. So it wasn't the original note. They had altered it. And so they, you know, that kind of threw a monkey uh, wrench into their works. And the other thing they have to prove is that they've had a loss, that uh, not only do they have the original note, which they have sold, they have to show that they've financially suffered a loss. And uh, that's a little harder for them to prove, and it's harder for us, for, for a, a homeowner, to prove they didn't suffer a loss, but we've made a lot of headway with that. Found that they, they take your mortgage and put it into a trust, and the trust gets a number, and it has people managing it, and then it's bundled with other trusts and then sold as mortgage-backed securities. Getting the trust name, sometimes they actually make a mistake and give you the trust name. And then you start looking it up on uh, Dun and Bradstreet and then financial records on Wall Street. And other times you have to do discovery to get the trust name. But that's a, that's a, a little uh, – we're still going down that trail. But it's, a, it's an amazing thing how they bury what they do. Uh, and I'd like to get back to a point you mentioned. What does the bank get out of it? If the bank just creates money on the spot or you, they create money from your signature or you create it, what do they get out of it? Because couldn't they just create a whole bunch of money anyway? So I kind of think it's just a facade. uh, And all of this trust stuff and selling securities, uh, I don't actually don't get it. It, To me, it's just they're just trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes, even Wall Street, and uh, fool them into believing there's some mechanism going on when actually they hold all the numbers in the computer and they can make themselves millionaires, billionaires, or whatever. And uh, at the touch of a button, so I, it, to me, it's just this this big lie. Uh, which the Bible yeah, that's what about. that's what Josiah Stamp was talking about is that it was all, you know, born in iniquity, uh, and it's an instrument of Satan. And it would be well if they were all wiped off the face of the earth. But if you give them the power to create credit, uh, they'll just have their fortunes back again. It's it's an iniquitous system, and it's so massive and so controlling that people uh, kind of just throw up their hands when they face it until, of course, they're about to be evicted out of their house. And a lot of these tactics that we use uh, to prevent foreclosures uh, are really ultimately probably only delay tactics. Occasionally, you may actually get them to go away entirely. It depends on the situation. But I see people... Uh, losing, you know, 20 years of labor that they've poured out into this house. I'll give you an example of how some of this could have worked. And this is why there was a year of jubilee, and this is why uh, a lot of the mosaic laws were set up, because they knew that people would go this wrong way eventually, and so that they had it set up so that you could actually have a procedure to 
get people back out of debt and recover. And uh, I give the example when there was a, a similar crisis in the savings and loan uh, associations down in the south, uh, Arizona and that area, and Texas. Uh, there, there was a lot of savings and loans that were theoretically going out of business because they weren't solvent, so they were taken over. And this paper, and what you're you're running into, and a lot of people have run into it, is they become so sloppy and arrogant they don't even keep track of their own paperwork. Uh, they don't even know what they did with the note anymore. Nobody's really kept track. They're all walking around like zombies in there, and nobody is actually even following their own rules in a lot of cases. And, of course, that can work to your advantage to keep people in their homes and keep their heads above water because so it's devastating to lose your home and often either lose your job or become less employed and and not know the next thing you know, you're going to the government and asking for welfare, and then you get into even worse bondage uh, when you do that. But anyway, back to the savings and loans, I knew a number of guys who – got together, they had a little bit of money, but they pooled their money, and they created a corporation down in Texas. They had a friend who lived in Texas who knew a lot of the locals, and they went to one of these savings and loans, and they bid on the paper this mortgage notes that these people gave to the savings and loan in order to get their loans, and they bid on them, and they actually had them, and they bought them. But they often paid 10 cents on the dollar for the note because... The bank really doesn't have anything invested in this. They've got some bills and they got some expenses. But if they just get 10% back of what they loan, it will pay all the bills because they've loaned out way more money than they had on deposit, uh, 10 times of what they had on deposit a lot of times. There are restrictions. The Federal Reserve doesn't allow them to loan an inexhaustible amount. Um but they can loan way more than they have on deposit. They're not loaning out the deposits, but uh, there's a ceiling limit on how much they can loan out based on the deposits. But that's kind of a, uh, a joke, too, because the more they loan out, the more they often get on deposit <laughs> because it comes back as, they, uh, as, as people make money. But anyway, what they did was they bought these mortgages. Like a guy had a $50,000 loan to buy a tractor. And they bought that paper for about $5,000, and they went to him and they said, how much money can you sh uh, come up with to pay off this $50,000 debt uh, that you owe the bank? And the guy says, well, you know, I could probably come up with 20000 but I can't pay off the whole thing. He says, well, if you can come up with 20000 cash, we'll tear up the note. So the guy gets a $50,000 tractor pays $20,000 for it, and these guys who bought the note for $5,000 walk away with $15,000. They go back to the bank, and they bid on more notes, <laughs> and they buy them at $0.10, cents, $0.15 cents on the dollar, and end up becoming millionaires. And uh, everybody's happy. The bank's solvent. The, the farmer gets his tractor, and he, he pays for what they ask, and uh, and nobody's out of business. But they didn't do that with this last banking uh, deal. But we're going to go to a break here, and we'll be back at Kings of the Kingdom, and we'll talk about some of the solutions that may be able to help you. 
I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, one holy nation under the heavenly Father with grace, mercy, and justice for all. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Did you ever wonder about the virgin birth? Know somehow that it must be true, but never really understood what it was all about? Perhaps you have faith in Messiah, but cannot quite believe in a virgin birth. Why is it an integral part of faith in Messiah, and why would biblical faith in Messiah be worthless without it? These questions and many more can be discovered by seeing The Greatest Prophecy DVD. The first chapter, for which the DVD was named, is a precise explanation of these mysteries. After seeing chapter 1, you will no longer have any doubt as to why belief in the virgin birth is indispensable to faith in Messiah, and why it is indeed the greatest prophecy of the entire Bible. We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It?, and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue, in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at firstamendmentradio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD, Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. listen to me. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're on the show today talking about uh, banking and all the things that surround that. Uh, our guest is Don Terry. Uh, we had an announcement at the beginning of the show that we have somebody who is stranded in Tennessee and needs a couple of 16-inch tires. So if you get a hold of us either in the chat room or in the network and you can help out, uh, let us know. We'll tell you more about that after the hour break. 
Um, we have a call-in number. If anybody has uh, calls that they would like to make or questions they would like to call in and uh, ask uh, a question of Don, um, they can do so. And I'll let Paul give that number. Are you there, Paul? Yeah, I'm here. It's uh, 414-395-2442. 414-395-2442. Okay, and we're, we're going to be trying a number of different things next week, uh, possibly on the show, uh, uh, setting up a little bit different way of doing the switchboard. I don't know. We've been talking about that. We've done a little bit of an experiment with that. And I think there'll be another number. I don't know how that'll work out, but uh, I don't know all the details. I'm relying on Paul to come up with that. <laughs> but anyway, we were talking about banking. I gave the example of uh, the savings and loans that uh, went bankrupt uh, in a banking crisis quite a few years ago and how uh, some guys went in there and they formed a corporation because they wouldn't let. The interesting thing is that if you actually had the loan for $50,000 to buy this tractor, if they would sell it to an absolute total stranger who had formed the corporation for 10 cents on the dollar, but they would not renegotiate the loan with you. Even though if you just paid off half of that money, they would be solvent again. They won't do that. They won't negotiate with you. And they could have done that with all these homes that were being foreclosed, all these banks that were supposedly too big to fail, there was no danger of them actually failing. They could have. Eat, they had an awful lot of junk paper, and it would have. It would have been tight. But uh, they, the CEOs, were walking away with millions and millions and millions of dollars altogether, billions of dollars. And you supposedly bailed these poor, poor CEOs out and these banks out. And actually, all you did is create more pressure on inflation in the long run. And even when those guys went down to Texas and bought the paper at 10 cents on the dollar and saved those uh, people who had homes and people who had uh, uh, equipment that they had bought, and they were able to pay their homes off at much lower rates and their equipment at much lower rates and didn't lose their homes, didn't lose their equipment, didn't lose their farms. And the guys who were doing this and put up the money originally to do it and did all the legwork they actually got rich. Uh, when I say rich, they had lots of Federal Reserve notes in bank deposits. <laughs> but that was able to, they went out and bought uh, businesses with that, and they're all doing pretty well, uh, those that are still alive. But the reality is even that creates pressure on the whole economic system and causes more of that inflation we talked about. So, but what it what it's kind of like is that you're in the Titanic, it's going down, and you can man the lifeboats and save some of the people from absolute economic drowning. And and I think that's a lot of what Don was doing is that people are caught in this web of intrigue in the banking system. They're about to lose their homes, be thrown out on the streets mercilessly. And he was trying to figure out ways to help them because it just didn't seem fair. And they weren't getting any help from the bank, so he was trying to help them. So is that kind of what was going on, Don? Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, it doesn't change the iniquitous of the system, but it saves a few people and a few families from drowning outright. 
because they're not getting any life preservers from the banks. Uh, all this money that went out to supposedly help people uh, allowed the banks to get richer and, and wealthier, uh, but all they did in most cases was just forgive the interest and penalties that they were pounding these people with because they couldn't pay back the loan. The reality is they I know people who had $300,000 loans on homes that they were building themselves and, and struggling, hardworking people, and suddenly the economy turns around, they were in the building industry, and they can't pay off the loan, and they lose all their sweat equity in this home. And the reality is is that the bank could have easily renegotiated the loan at half of what they gave them out, because the house was only worth half now. You couldn't sell it for the amounts because they're all inflated prices anyway. But they wouldn't do it. And there was no incentive to do it with the bailouts, which is all coming out of everybody's pockets and the pockets of their children. And it's literally, we're now in this economic Titanic where the system is, it, it's a planned collapse, an absolute planned, uh, no for sure, going to collapse, and uh, those people that are in charge of kind of securing our welfare, supposedly, uh, in different countries, whether it's the European Union or the United States or Canada, are actually doing almost everything they can to guarantee the collapse, <laughs> and the people yeah. are sitting back <laughs> still bumping these people in. But is there is there some other alternative? Have you ever looked into other alternatives than banking systems? Uh, has that ever been part of your adventure in banking land? <laughs> no, I have not done that. What other alternatives are there to banking? Well, in today's uh, yeah, th that is a problem. If you wanted to go back, you know, I have, uh, Ron Paul, who talks about gold and silver a great deal, and getting back on the gold and silver standard, which actually uh, I would prefer if everybody went back to uh, you know just weights and measures, whether that included gold and silver. Gold and silver in its proper uh, light as a money is, is just a commodity money. It's not a coin of the realm or anything. It's just a commodity, whether it's in a nugget form or uh, somebody stamp it out into an artifact form or whatever, uh, or it looks like a coin. Uh, it's it's a commodity. It's a value in itself, and it can be used for a trade, and you can use a lot of other things. But the realisticness of going back to that with our present economy and state of things uh, entirely at one time is just not not feasible. But we certainly can start moving in that direction, and that's what turning around and seeking the kingdom is all about. Uh, learning how to trade amongst each other, learning how to take care of one another, and provide for the true essential needs of one another. In the meantime, we're stuck with these Federal Reserve notes and uh, and banking systems. But if we could get people not going into the bank itself, uh, have you looked into credit unions? Do you know much about credit unions as, as compared to banks, uh, Don? Uh, no, as far as I was concerned, credit unions are just another name for a bank. I didn't know anything different. Uh, I still do yeah, well, Federal Reserve notes. Well, then we'll, we'll share some information that we discovered. One of the things, you, you'll find credit unions all over the world. And uh, credit unions, uh, one of the things that I find uh, in numerous countries, that a credit union can call itself almost anything, 
but it is actually by statute not allowed to call itself a bank. Now, I will admit, because credit unions are dealing with Federal Reserve notes, that they are very much like banks. But one of the differences is that a credit union is a nonprofit organization. It cannot make a profit. Uh, it, it is not, if it accidentally makes a profit, it has to return the money to its members. That's another unique thing about a credit union is its depositors are members. They're not just depositors. They're actually a members and they have a membership criteria in all credit unions. It may be a very loose criteria, but you know, uh, it may be like, uh, there's a business out here called Bymark. It's kind of a discount store and they have numerous ones all over the coast. And all of its employees usually are members of the Bymark Credit Union. So if you were ever an employee at a Bymark, you can deposit your money at the Bymark Credit Union. And that credit union, if it makes money, it has to return it in some charitable way back to the people, to its depositors. It can't make a profit. Another interesting thing about a credit union, it's, it's in charge of... Uh, the people in charge of the credit union, actually, who are like the overseers of the credit union, uh, on the board of the credit union, cannot receive one dime in wages. There are no stock options. There's no bonuses, no benefits. It's an entirely voluntary position. They can't make any money. So as compared to a CEO of a bank, they're their profit motive is theoretically gone from the equation. <laughs> so, and, you know, they can loan money. They can loan it at interest, but it's not really interest because it's not for profit or gain. It's just to pay the bills. Now, they will have, uh, you know, they'll have accountants and they'll have uh, somebody, a clerk, and they'll have a light bill, and they can pay those out of that interest but they're not operating the same as a bank. And we've always wanted to create a His Church Credit Union so that we can get people out of the revolving doors of banks and start helping one another, at least through the charitable uh, institution of a credit union. Now, you're still operating with Federal Reserve notes, uh, and you're still under a lot of government regulations, but your motivation for forming that credit union can be a lot different, and therefore the outcome could be a lot different. Again, it's only the lifeboat concept. It doesn't get us to dry land, <laughs> but it may keep some people from drowning because that credit union, if it has uh, the funds to do so, it could go in and bid on some of that bad paper. You could have loans transferred out of the hands of the bank, which is a totally profit motivation, and... Uh, move that loan over to a credit union that it should have, not always, it depends on the people that you're involved with, may actually have your well-being and interest at heart. So anyway, that's what we found out about credit unions. Have you heard any of that before? Or? I was a member of a credit union years ago, um, but uh, some of the stuff you mentioned I think I'd heard about, but I hadn't thought about a credit union in years. So, right. So no, yeah. So that's that's one of the solutions that we were looking at. There, uh, 
I'll, I'll, in the second half of the show, when we get to the second hour, I'll, I'll tell some other things that I've seen some churches doing uh, for any of our listeners that, that, so that they can see that there might be a lot of other options. But uh, uh, do you have any other stories about uh, what you discovered while learning these banking laws and uh, some of the other things that this has led you to that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, yeah, it may not be about banking, but uh, in the foreclosures, well, and in criminal too, we found that the courts in America are all corporations. You can look them up on Dun and Bradstreet in Alabama, for instance. Uh, there are two things, uh, if I can get the names right. One is the Judiciary Courts of the state of Alabama, and the other one is uh, uh, very similar to it, the Alabama Judicial Court System or something like that. Both of them are corporations for profit. You can get pull their their uh, listings on Dun and Bradstreet, and the bank, the courts will actually mail stuff out with that corporate logo on it, and pretending it's official. And so uh, we don't know where all this is going. We we've had some of our guys, people mention that in court. We've pulled some of the judges have their name listed on Dun and Bradstreet. We pulled their reports and notified the judge, and so uh, we don't know where all that's going to go. But uh, we have exposed the light on the. The fact that there are no constitutional courts in America, except for maybe something called the Federal Court of Claims, and uh, but that that has uh, gummed up the works too. So uh, you know, you go to court, you think it's a judge, but he's actually a corporate employee of a private corporation, and right. uh, so we treat them that way. Well, I assume that you're also aware of the fact that uh, basically the states have all become corporations. Oh yeah. Uh, the state governments, the, what we call the state government, you go down there and they have, those are literally corporate employees. And a lot of this change took place from our research back around 1910, 1911. Now, certainly, you know, with every change, there's always, you can track that change back, you know, the beginnings of that change back earlier, but there are certain moments in time where certain things took place like i noticed since uh, about 2003 to 2007 and almost every state of the united states there was a revamping of trust laws i mean not just like change a statute here and there but an actual overhaul of the entire system of trust laws and somebody's gone to the trouble of setting this up and getting the states to adopt these statutes so that they become kind of a uniform system of trust laws and uh, exactly where those ramifications go, I'm not sure. But there's there's people who wake up every morning figuring out ways to bring you closer and closer to bondage and closer and uh, deeper and deeper into debt and deeper and deeper into a dependency upon totalitarianism rather than actually waking up in the morning and trying to figure out ways of setting you free. <laughs> And we always say that the, all roads lead to Rome and all roads lead to the kingdom of God. It's all about direction. And there are some that are leading you to Rome and Babylon and some that are trying to say, hey, look, there's light over here at the end of this time. So, that's right. And, and, and that's why we were exploring the credit union concept. And we believe, and actually if you read a lot of the stuff that we have on this, will show you that that's what the early church was setting up. It's something very similar to a credit union when they elected those seven men uh, to tend to a certain business. It's not right that we wait on tables, Peter says. 
but the same word we see there as tables is actually the word uh, that is translated in the same Bible into bank. It's actually the Greek word still to this day for a bank. And that's what they were setting up, is they were actually setting up something that looked very much like what we see as our modern credit union. And uh, it was to be able to uh, tend to business without going into real banks. And we point out in the book, That Kingdom Come, that the temple at Ephesus, who were is where some of the apostles had gotten into trouble, they, they were accused of actually robbing the temple at Ephesus, was actually the World Bank of its day. It had the most secure vault in all the Mediterranean. It was built by over 127 different countries. It had seating for, I think, over 20,000 people uh, who were stockholders. And uh, it was actually the World Bank. It was the underwriter for a great deal of the social welfare systems that were pervasive throughout the Roman Empire at that time. And the apostles were accused of robbing. Well, they weren't breaking into the vault. What they were doing is providing another system for social welfare based on faith, hope, and charity rather than compelled offerings and premiums and uh, that sort of thing. And so they were accused of not actually breaking into the vault but actually providing an alternative system, which I, I would like a lot of people to delve into, and that's why we've created the network and so that people can start learning how these ancient systems work because if you want to know the future, which is where Don kind of started talking about Revelation, you need to study the past because all the old mistakes we've made again. And so we need to take a look at the old solutions because I can show you both in the Old and New Testament where it says pick seven men for that day of catastrophe. And... uh and I think that's what they were doing, is forming something very similar to a credit union. And, but I, I don't think a credit union is our salvation, but it may be a lifeboat that we could use because we've seen a round of foreclosures. Millions of people lost their homes. We're going to see another round of foreclosures where people are not only going to lose more homes, but they're going to lose a lot of their businesses. And life savings is, is dwindling from the beginning of the show to the end. Your life savings is losing its value or imagined value. <laughs> so anyway, um, that, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's uh, biblical, too. I think the, the beast wants to uh, cause uh, a worldwide catastrophe to solidify his power or even more. It's been inching along year after year, but I think he wants to to do it all at once. and that, So he can control the economy, he does. And I believe the beast will cause this huge economic meltdown. So, uh, so just to gain more and more control, because Satan's all about control, deceit right. and control. And the way they get control is making us dependent upon them. Yes. And the way that God gets control is He empowers us because we become dependent upon each other. We create that society that operates on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty and love for one another where we start caring about each other's rights as much as we care about our own. And so we're out there looking every day for what we call kingdom tracks. Who, I mean, you were telling us earlier that you got into this because, well, you said you had had some financial trouble too, but you really got into this because you had people you knew who were getting into trouble, and you were trying to figure out how to help them. 
Yes. That that's a kingdom track. That's that's what Christ Christ didn't come to help himself, he came to help others. And so those who have Christ in them are people who are going to come together not just for what they can get out of it, but what they can bring to the table, what they can bring and how they can help other people. And of course, our help doesn't want to weaken you. The help from Babylon wants to weaken you, wants to make you dependent. Oh, you don't have to worry about this anymore. We'll take care of that. And what they actually are doing is they're they're bringing you into their farmyard and they're going to turn you into human resources. And the way they do that is that they appeal to your covetousness, which is how they get us to. You can get a new car. You know, if you. One of the things that says when we're reading literature about credit unions is that if you go in and you want to buy a car, the credit union should actually be saying, well, do you really need this car? They're not saying, do you really want this car? They're saying, do you really need this car? Do you need this expensive a car to do what you need to have done? They're not supposed to be trying to get you into debt, and because that profit motive is supposedly removed, it's not always because it's been creeping into credit unions, but if you form a credit union based on Christ, you say, well, yeah, I need this. I knew a fellow was a horseshoe, a hard worker, suddenly needed money to buy another truck because his truck blew up, and he needed to borrow like $1,500 to buy a used truck to put him back on the road. Well, that would be a good loan. We'd like to keep the guy out of a bank. And that, and like I said, I'll, I'll tell you a story about some churches and what they've been doing when we do the second half hour of it. We have a call. Uh, You'd like to take it. Oh, we have a caller? Yep. Sure. Hello, caller? Yeah, hey, can you hear me okay? Yep. All right. Uh, is I, that I'm Mark? Kinda, yeah, this is, this is Mark in Waco. How, how are you guys? Uh, great. Great to hear your voice, oh, Mark. Go ahead with the yeah. discussion. Well, uh, you know, like Don, I until recently didn't know, uh, much of a, didn't see much of a difference in the, uh, uh, in the banks and the uh, 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 the uh, credit union credit unions because uh, they all uh, uh, seem to make you jump through the same hoops with the uh, socialist security number and the uh, uh, driver's license number and uh, both dealing you know in the with the ferns uh, so but I was wondering if uh, Don might talk about some of his, uh, if you want to talk about it on air, uh, you know, establishing uh, the bank accounts, uh, how you were able to, to do that without uh, uh, giving social a security number. social security number. Or, or didn't you also uh, uh, do it as a, without a, a driver's license number or any kind of, you know, state ID? Uh, no, I, I use a passport. And I'm, I'm, okay. I do. I will admit right off the bat, I need a passport in the upper and lowercase name. I still have one in the all uppercase name. Uh, my wife did get one uh, that came from a different place, and it says she's an American national, basically, rather than right. a citizen. But anyway, um, yeah. So I have opened a bank account without a social security number and uh, in the name of a trust, a private contract in the form of a trust, anyway. 
Okay, we're going to go to a break. We'll talk more about this when we get back to Keys of the Kingdom. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. Usually we get a little cue from the music when we come back, but uh, uh, I guess we're back on. Uh, yeah, Don was talking, uh, Margaret brought up the question of opening up a bank account without a uh, Social Security number or state ID, and we've done a lot of research in that. We cover some of that in the Free Church Report. Uh, I've actually gone back to Washington, D.C. after uncovering a lot of this by looking through the Federal Registry that you do not need a Social Security number to open up a bank account. As long as it's a non-interest-bearing account, there's no reporting requirement in a non-interest-bearing account. And what I've, I've discovered, many credit unions put in a little rule into their bylaws, and I don't know if it's required by law. I don't believe that it is. Uh, but they put it in that you can have a non-interest-bearing account in a credit union, but they make you have at least one account that has $25 in it that is an interest-bearing account as a part of the rules of membership. And so then most credit unions will require a Social Security number because you have a $25 interest-bearing account. Now, it's a token account because $25, the interest on that's not going to amount to much, but it it creates their filing requirements, so therefore they need that number for that filing. If you could start a credit union that does not make that requirement, 
of having an interest-bearing account, you would have absolutely no need to demand a Social Security number in order to open up the account. But you would have to probably create your own credit union that has that sympathy in mind because uh, uh, you're not going to be able to do it uh, to, uh, by walking into most credit unions. I can't say all because I haven't been into all of them, but I've seen that in numerous ones. The other thing is the ID thing. Do you need state ID to open up an account? According to the Federal Registry, no, you don't. Uh, you don't need state ID, but you need to be known uh, as a customer to the bank where you open up the account or credit union where you open up the account. They need to know who you are. They are under obligation as a regulated enterprise to know who you are. Their criteria of knowing who you are is called, I think it's CIPs, uh, Customer Identification Protocols. They write their own. That's not mandated by statute as to how to identify your customer. So you don't necessarily need state ID, but if you walk into most banks and say, I'd like to open an account without Social Security number or state ID, you'll see bank officers literally grabbing their chest. I mean, you might have to go in there with a fibrillator because they have a heart attack. <laughs> I mean, we had one guy, we thought we were going to have to do CPR on <laughs> before we got an account open. <laughs> but uh, the reality is they, they're living inside this box. They never look up the law. Somebody says, oh, this is what you have to do, and they just jump through that hoop. I guess it's a product of public schools, but... We do well, have you're considered a terrorist now if you try to look up the law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's only going to get worse in those areas. But if we gather together and with the proper motivation, this motivation of Christ, we can be that light. Now, they're going to try to stamp out that light eventually, but somebody's got, you know, somebody's got to take a stand here for righteousness. And, you know, banking is one area, health is another area, family, education, homeschooling, these are other areas. So there's lots of different topics that we call kingdom topics uh, that we can talk about that. But today we were kind of focusing on banks. Uh, and, of course, uh, opening an account without a Social Security number is absolutely legal. And uh, the church doesn't need a Social Security number. If a church is properly organized, it's not even allowed to apply for a TIN because a TIN is only used for filing requirements. Uh, and if you don't have any filing obligation, by statute, you're not allowed to apply for a TIN. But uh, when we tried to open with existing credit unions, we've always run into this $25 minimum interest-bearing account. And so then... That creates that bar, but yeah, there's nothing in the laws that keep you from opening an account without a social security number as long as it's a non-interest-bearing account. Just any, a any other adventures along that line that you came up with, uh, uh, Don? Uh, it's, well, it's just, there may not be a law against it or uh, requiring it, but as, as a practical matter, how do you do it? What do you say to the people, and and uh, how do you do it? And you just have to wing it. I mean. Last time I did it, uh, it took about three hours, and they had to fax their attorney numerous times, and I ended up filling out a, a foreign earned uh, a foreign exemption uh, deal, a W-8 or something, and a foreign earned exemption. And if I don't have a Social Security number, what am I foreign to? And I'm foreign to the United States Corporation. Right. right. 
Right. Yeah, it's oh. a, we open up the church accounts as a foreign situs trust, uh, but it's also a sacred purpose trust, so it's a church trust, it's not a statutory trust. We are, have other ways to open up accounts. Uh, actually, we can open up accounts with EIM, but that's another whole different process, and that's not the church opening the account. It's just friends of his church, people who are already in the system. And, and I don't know, you know, we tell a little bit about, you know, having these uh, things like passports, and they're closing these doors and these differences, but they also have to keep some doors open. And what I found over the last half century of studying about this is that there's an actual group of people that are orchestrating the, the fabrication of these laws. These aren't just they aren't your congressmen and senators writing these things up. There's a team of international attorneys that are writing this up with an agenda and paid for by people behind the scenes that you're never going to see running for election. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just this country, it's all countries. Yes, right, and that was one of the first things I discovered was way back in the 60s and, and uh, early 70s is that laws were changing in Holland exactly the same way they were changing in the United States at the same time within a year or so. Uh, you talk about administrative courts, which is what we're dealing with, corporate administrative courts. That was a huge sweeping change across this country between 1910 and 1913. And then, of course, another sweeping change took place after 1913 and up till 1916, and changes in banking laws and everything else because of the introduction of the Federal Reserve System. Another sweeping change in 1933 with the introduction of Social Security where everybody became collateral for the debt. If you read the laws on passports now, it'll be scary. Anybody, anybody with a passport, nationalist or otherwise, citizen or otherwise, with a passport, they say that if you have a passport, you are bound by the terms of a particular oath that's mentioned in the federal statutes that states that they can come and take you and put you to civilian labor work projects anytime they want by statute. If you have any kind of passport whatsoever, uh, the laws are being put into place for absolute totalitarian control of everybody right now. I mean, most of them are all yeah, well, around the book. Any kind of United States passport that's not issued yeah. to a foreign national like SEDM uh, that law group they, they've got a really good uh, addendum that they, they add to the passport a application that uh, uh, basically negates all their nonsense and and it's uh, more or less an application as a foreign national that's why my wife got it uh, I do want to say too then uh, I, the way I see it and I don't know how far it is away. Next few years, the mark of the beast will start to appear, and then I won't be able to go anywhere anyway, so I'll just give up all that stuff and stay on my 12 acres and uh, uh, just wait for the second coming. <laughs> well, I would encourage you to get a network of people that are all seeking the righteousness of God, because whether or not uh, whatever they do, when Christ comes, I want to be found doing what he said to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Act, actively loving one another, caring about one another, tending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. 
and not forsaking the gathering together. Now, I don't want people to gather together all in one location because it's kind of like painting a big red bullseye on your chest. But networking is what the early church did. And we give examples of that in the book, Thy Kingdom Come. And that's also where we talk. Is, I think we talk about it a little bit in Thy Kingdom Come. I know we do in the Free Church Report about this concept of seven men. And the reality is those seven, seven men who are not getting them, they're not employees. They don't have to have a Social Security number because they're not employees. <laughs> they're not getting paid. Uh, they're volunteers, uh, but the reality is the same seven men that have the right spirit can quickly move that same network that's created by an actual credit union over into a kingdom network uh, in a very quick and short period of time. And, uh, you know, we, I'll have to share with you our information on the Mark of the Beast. We have a detailed study of the Mark of the Beast up on the website. And uh, we go through that step by step, and I think we come to a quite a bit different conclusion than most people do. I would be interested to hear more about this national passport. I, I, I'm not convinced yet, but uh, if you, I'm always looking for the discoveries of other people. <laughs> uh, oh, so you learn. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to go in about five minutes. Okay. Okay, well, if, but, uh, if you only got about five minutes, do you have anything else that you'd like to share with the audience before you go? Did you, um, did you get to that point of uh, <laughs> of what happened? How do you get past the drones, or how did you get past the drones in the bank that tell you, well, uh, you know, it's uh, we got terrorists behind every bush? Um, I don't know if there's a uh, one, two, three way to tell you. You just have to play it by ear. You have to have a lot of patience. You have to get used to hearing no. And I've gotten over the years with the trust opening accounts and, and dealing with trust, hearing people say no three or four or five or ten times until you get what you want, until they say yes. Oh, you can do that. Uh, and the last one I did, I haven't opened it since uh, 2001, uh, since September 11th and some of those new laws. I haven't opened one recently. But when last time I opened it, uh, it took three hours. It was, I think, the Bank of America. And uh, for three hours, the bank manager would walk by and say, you can't do that. And I'd say, here, fax this to your attorney and so we just went back and forth so you just i don't know one two three way you just have a lot of patience get used to hearing no don't get flustered when they say no you can't open an account without a social security number you're crazy just have have all your paperwork in hand do a lot of research you'll have to do months of research so that you know it know it by heart somebody wakes you up at two in the morning you'll be able to spout it off so that when they ask questions you won't be stumped you'll know where to go to uh Maybe I can. We actually have a friend banker. I think I mentioned it last time. Uh, you know, in Alabama, who used to own a bank, and now he's he's got he sold his interest, and uh, he's doing quite well, obviously. But he's he's helping us with inside information. So maybe he can help us to to how to be easier to open an account uh, without a social security number. But I don't know about the uh, the all of that the ID part. I I used a, like I say a passport, but just be patient. Right, and I agree with you, the patients. We have opened up accounts since 911, and uh, we do have some attorney letters from top attorneys that we present when we go into a bank. But we meet the same, and, and it has gotten worse since 911. They get absolutely, totally paranoid. Uh, but we just kept sliding it back and saying, look, and occasionally, you know, we run into, you know, and very common in bankers, uh, uh, 
circles that they don't, they're not going to hear it. But the reality is that the laws haven't changed that much. Uh, when you actually get down to the federal registry and what is actually law, that you can still do it, but uh, the, the, the doors are not completely closed, but they're a lot narrower than they used to be. <laughs> so you're right, you have to do a lot of homework, and that's what we spent the last number of years doing. But we also don't want to lose track of the bigger picture that goes way beyond banking. But anyway, we don't want to keep you if you have another appointment, Don. Uh, I appreciate it. I uh, wish to say the whole two hours, but thank you. I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the show, and thank you for inviting me on. Okay. Yeah, thanks for coming. Hey, thanks and for Mark, uh, Amy yeah. wanted to know, did you ever get your dog back a couple of years ago, a few years ago? When you uh, were... No, no. They, they never did? They, uh, never did. Never Kidnapped did. your dog forever. I'm sorry. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I actually, they uh, on two different occasions they kidnapped two different dogs, and uh, one of them they killed in custody, and uh, oh. another one uh, I just never got back. He just uh, wow. they, they, I couldn't get any information out of them. They were they took them to Dallas, and that's as far as I knew. Oh, that's sad. All right. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed talking to you again, guys. Uh, appreciate. All right. It. And I'm going to get off the phone as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks for the call, Mark. Thanks for being on, Don. Thank you. Goodbye. God bless. So uh, we can take more calls if there's questions in the chat room. Um, We'd be glad to hear from you. Uh, We're... We're looking at banking and a lot of the different options. I don't know. uh, We've gotten a little bit of a picture from Don. We shared a little bit of our own picture and study with Don, and we've shared it all with you on Keys to the Kingdom. Uh, But it doesn't do any good if you get all this head knowledge and you do nothing with it. This is one of the topics that uh, uh, we talked about last night with uh, some people uh, is that that if you're given a gift of knowledge, a value, a talent, if you have a talent and you don't use it, you will lose it. So it's not enough to get knowledge and information. You need to use it. You need to share it. You need to implement it. And one of the things about things like a, the concept of a credit union, uh, his church credit union, uh, is that it's not something I can do for you. You have to do it. You have to have people that get involved, that become participators, who work not just for what they can get out of it, but for what they can bring to the table, as we talked about, because that's the Spirit of Christ. And we don't do it in the Spirit of Christ. You know, we've had people come and go in the network. Some of them left because... They weren't getting out of it what they wanted. And what did they want? They wanted some sort of an emotional recharging. And I know a number of people that are pretty good people, hardworking people, but they go to church because they want to be lifted up. In a local church, we played a, a videotape recently. The pastor brought it in in one of the local churches here, about the only one. Uh, and it was the agenda tape. And they didn't come. They left. As soon as the singing was over and the video was going in, they left because they didn't want to, they come to church to be lifted up. They didn't want to hear about this agenda, this enemy that's coming 
and been coming and been manipulating, been changing. Uh, they don't want to hear that. They just want to go to church to be lifted up. That's not good. That's really bad, folks. Uh, you need to go to church to be wakened up, <laughs> to be awakened, not to be just lifted up and made to feel good. If you're going to church just to be lifted up, you're going looking for ear ticklers. Guys are going to make you feel good. Christ didn't come to make you feel good. He came to tell you how bad you are and that you need to repent and you need to turn around and you need to start doing the will of the Father. And not just in banking. Uh, banking is kind of an overwhelming topic because even if you form a credit union, you're still dealing with those Federal Reserve notes. That's just not going to go away. Uh, and when it does, all hell will break loose. <laughs> because when, you know... Uh, some people say, oh, yeah, we're going to go to a cashless society and we're going to have the mark of the beast and you're going to have to have this chip and t or you can't buy and sell. Mark of the beast is here already, folks. You got it. Uh, you're not condemned to hell because you got it. But you need to start uh, turning around and seeking the kingdom of God. And you can do that in lots of ways. And if you turn around and start going back to the ways of God, the ways of Christ, He'll run out and meet you halfway, and it's a good thing he will because you can't make it back on your own. This is too big. Everywhere you turn, there's no escape. There's no escape that you can formulate on your own, that you can calculate on your own, that you can do on your own. You cannot save yourself. But if you turn around with the character of Christ, he can implement salvation in your life. And he is a great chess player. He knows the game better than them, guaranteed. But you got to start listening to him, start doing some of those things that he said, and you got to start doing them because you care about others. You can't conjure up that care. You have to actually do it. Those of you who don't want to care about others, just want to look like you care about others, you're, I can't help you. Uh, what I have to offer will not help you. It, it just won't do you any good because... This is an internal change, a spiritual change that's deep down inside you. I'm selfish. I'm a selfish person. We're all selfish. We're born with that selfish nature. You call it original sin, whatever it is. We're all born with that. And that's why we all cry as babies, is we want to be taken care of. We want to be cared for. We want to be comforted. And that's part of our nature. But when we turn around and mature spiritually and start coming with that character of Christ where we want to care about other people. Even if we are slain in the process, now power will come to you. But you can't do it because you want the power. you got to do it because you really love others as much as you love yourself. That is, that is key. That is Christ. It isn't about feeling good. It may feel really bad when they beat you up and they throw you in jail and uh, uh, when they do bad things to you and they mock you and they call you names. But, you know, that goes with the territory. It doesn't mean that we all have to get crucified. But we all have to be willing to be crucified if that's 
what comes with doing the right thing. It is we're not seeking crucifixion. I know a number of guys who kind of seek persecution. They kind of do things to get persecuted. And they think that's great. We're getting persecuted. I'm not quite the sadomasochist. I just do not get persecuted. I'm not seeking persecution. I'm seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm not going to cater to you in a way that weakens you. I'm going to try to tell the truth as it really is. And hopefully you'll hear it. But I only know that you hear it when I see you doing it. Because I don't, I don't need, yeah, 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 I don't need you to say yes. Yes. I need you to do, do. And I actually don't need you to do, do. I'm going to do, do what you do, do or not. <laughs> Can I say all that? <laughs> There's a question in the chat room. <laughs> oh, great. Uh, he says, uh, I, used, I used a notarized affidavit with my right thumbprint a few years ago to satisfy a requirement of ID. But a notary is a government official. Not sure I would do that again. Any thoughts from Brother Gregory? Well, it depends on, you know, I mean, of course, those are, uh, you know, if you go to another country, if you were, if you were in Rome and you were going to Rome, and I, I, I'd love to find <laughs> the paperwork on this, it may even actually exist somewhere in the, the huge archives that are of ancient documents. But if you were to enter Rome from another government, you would bring your letters of credence to the Temple of Saturn, and they would stamp them and put them on file because you're entering into their jurisdiction you're not going under their jurisdiction, but you're entering into their jurisdiction as a foreigner of another country. And I'll lay you odds that somewhere along the line, some of those letters of credence came from early Christians entering Rome and notifying them that, hey, we're in Rome now. And one of the reasons, because that was, I'm not talking about the entire Roman Empire. I'm talking about Rome, the municipality. When you enter into that Rome, the municipality. Christians were cast out under Claudius. Uh, they say the Jews were cast out, but of course in those days Christians were called Jews. It wasn't until Antioch that they were called Christians. But they looked like Jews, they smelled like Jews, they acted like Jews, but they, because they were citizens of Judea under the king we know as Jesus Christ. There was another group that were part of the Pharisee group, but they had no king but Caesar. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, where's Israel? They're looking, there's another thing, that, a tremendous apostasy, thinking that that Israel over there is somehow the Israel of prophecy. That's not Israel. That's just a country calling. And Paris, Texas ain't Paris either. Just because it says it's Israel, it doesn't do anything that Moses said to do. I mean, they have... You talk about banking, they have a huge Federal Reserve system. They have diverse weights and measures in their purse. They don't have gold and silver in their purse. They have iron coin. They charge interest at, at a drop of a hat. They charge excise tax on property, on labor, on everything. All that's in opposition to Moses. That, those aren't Israelites. Those aren't Jews following Moses. They're just Jews. We're citizens of a country called Israel. 
But and, and I'm sure there are good people there. I'm sure there's bad people there, just like there are in the U.S. or Canada or Argentina or Australia or any of these places. But, you know, you may have to use those means at this time. The question is, what direction are you going? And, of course, we, we're putting into place a system of ID. But we're not just going to hand it out because somebody needs an ID card. We shouldn't. We're just, it's like, you know, when I talk about where does money come from? That should the government be in charge of producing the money? Well, yeah, but you're supposed to be the government. If you're a silver miner or a silversmith, you should make silver bullion bars and little religious artifacts and, and things that look like coins, and people should use them as a trade good between each other. And then you're making money. You're just using this trade good as money. You use grain as money. You can use whiskey as money. You can use all those things as money. It's just whatever you're using to trade, and you should learn that skill because when the money collapses, you're going to need to know how to do that. I actually saw a video the other day uh, called The Colony about these people, world collapse, and they're going to, we're going to come up here on a break here in a minute, but world collapse, and they, they put these six, eight, ten people in this little abandoned factory and they were supposedly learning how to uh live in this after the after the collapse of economy and chaos and i guess it was supposed to be everybody was dead from the disease and everything and somebody came up and these guys were trading with these guys and and personally i'd i'd done barter for years i thought these guys are terrible traders <laughs> they don't know what they're doing they made some really bad deals but you know, it's only a show, but the fact is that that's a skill. It's an art. Taking care of animals is an art. Producing food out of a garden is an art. It's it's a skill, and it has to be practiced and developed. And we encourage that, and that's one of the things that we're I have here open on my web page is uh, the Burning Bush Festival uh, talk section, and we're going to tell you about a lot of our gatherings when we come back from the break that we're going to be having this year and some of the topics of coverage because banking is just one of them uh, to answer that question is yeah that may be what you have to do but start looking for something better uh in the future and part of that better is id is based on somebody's testimony that you are who you are and that's i don't know how you get a notary without a state id most of them require a state id although We've used notaries locally when we needed them to just know who we are. And they don't ask to look at our state ID, which is fortunately because we don't have one that looks like their state ID. <laughs> but but uh, that may disappear. In our congregation, we have our own notary, ecclesiastical notaries, and they keep the records just the same way. Uh, you either build your own lifeboat or you got to get in their lifeboat. And their lifeboat has their notary. Our lifeboat has our notary. So you either gather together in congregations of record or you don't. If you want an alternative, you have to create it by your effort, by your diligence. And that's what we're all about. And so if you're not on the network and not forming congregations of record, I probably can't help you. But that's what you need to do. Anyway, we'll talk about a lot of these things when we get back from this break. 
fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government Takeover of the Church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Well, welcome back, Kings of the Kingdom. Uh, Paul, are you there? Do you, do you want to give that telephone number again? I guess I could have done it because I, I wasn't sure if it had changed, which is why I asked you before. Same number. It's 414-395-2442. So anybody can call in on that number if they want to ask a question or they can put the question in the chat room. And I think I kind of covered that question, uh, you know, we... We have a church ID that I've used to fly with a number of times. I'm really not anxious to fly anymore, but, uh, but if I have to, we will. Uh, 
And basically that's, uh, you know, it's not just a little bit like what Don Terry was saying. It's not just, you know, uh, one, two, three step and everything, you know, all the problems go away. The fact is they still can reject it. Uh, and give you a hard time, but you don't need state ID to fly with, uh, but you may need it to fly with uh, without being harassed or humiliated. <laughs> but uh, you, the the fact is, is uh, there are ways around some of these things, but there's so many things that are coming up. What do you do if they go to food rationing? What do you do if they go to gas rationing? You're not going to get ration tickets or a ration card if you don't have the number. Yeah, so you're going to need another system. You have to construct an entirely different system, an alternative system. You're going to have to produce your own power. I mean, for years we had trouble not using a Social Security number to even get the power hooked up to a house to be on the grid. They want a Social Security number. Now, there's ways around that to get a telephone. There's ways around that to get a cell phone. There's ways around that. Are they always easy? Are they always convenient? Are you always you're never going to run into people who give you an argument? Well, probably not. They're, you're going to have trouble. But, you know, if you came to this country in 1600s and tried to march across it, there were going to be grizzly bears and mountain lions and ice storms and, and tornadoes and floods and poisonous snakes and everything else. Those are just the hazards. We just got different hazards today. We got different kinds of bears out there that might want to gobble you up, and you need to use a good strategy in order to deal with that. But traveling in numbers is always a good idea, <laughs> and that's why the early Christians formed a network of people. It has to be a certain kind of people. It won't be people that are, are more troublesome than the enemy. It will be people who care about you, make concessions when it's needed and, and make sacrifices when it's needed, and that's what you need. So anyway, we've created a network at hisholychurch.org, and you can join that network, get on one of the Google groups, and get to know other people. Email's a pretty safe way to get to know one another. We're not uh, just seeking to create a gigantic email network like Facebook. We actually want to create an on-the-ground network, which... We will use email and phone numbers and and local restaurants to start meeting and finding out if you want to create more and more relationships with each other. It's those on-the-ground relationships that are going to either hold or not hold during hard times. And so we're also, in order to implement this, we're having a number of festivals, uh, fairs or festivals. I actually like the word festival better than fair because there's a connotation affair, but you can call it anything you want, and we've got one coming up here in September, latter part of the September, last week of September, Burning Bush Festival, and we got a number of people that are organizing, and I'm looking at some of the things that we're, we're going to have, try to have a number of videos that we see in the evenings on a big screen projected up, and then have discussions about some of these, because some people put together some very good educational videos on different topics. Uh, we got an expert in essential oils that's going to be coming out and giving a demonstration. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, pain-free, which is a concept of exercises to help straighten out your spine and your back and your legs and, your, and improve your health simply by doing a very simple kind of uh, uh, physiological exercises that will 
help uh, remove a lot of the pain problems that people have. It's been they're going to share what they've learned and what they're continually learning. We're going to talk about grounding one evening. Uh, we're going to have somebody teaching the kids how to tie knots. We have lakes in the area, and you can have canoeing and boating. Uh, we've got miles and miles of uh, trails and, and areas to walk in. We're going to teach you a little bit about animal husbandry, sheep, cows, dairy cows, uh, vermiculture, gardening, uh, some of the things that we've learned over the last uh, half century and glean from people who have been learning it for millenniums, uh, real practical information that you're just not going to get uh, at public school. Uh, I could tell you whole stories about that. We're also going to be having uh, uh, a number of meals during this week-long or more uh, festival, and those meals will be uh, produced uh, in potluck form and maybe in barbecue form and working together as a group uh, with a communal kitchen. And so there's a lot of work to be done before that, and we've already started some of that work, and we've got a lot more to do. But uh, And we've got volunteers coming this summer that we're going to be helping getting things ready, and you can be a part of that because... In an alternative system, you have to create everything yourself. You have to make everything yourself. You have to make it happen. You can't just elect somebody and then you go off and you do it all, you do all the work, and then when you got it done and I'll come and live in that house, you have to build the house. And uh, you have to build it together as a teamwork and with effort. And we've got a lot of people doing that. We need a lot more in different states, and so we're creating uh, an opportunity now so that we can get representatives in every state, and these are contact representatives, just like a plug-in phone system. So if you want to know what where somebody needs help or you need help, you just plug into that contact guy, and he'll reach out and try to help you. And earlier we had uh, uh, somebody we mentioned that needed some help in Tennessee. They had a couple of flat tires, and they're looking for some 16-inch tires. I don't know the width. Uh, but if you get on our network or you're connected with some of our contact people, they know who to call and see if we can help them out. It would be great if we heard that they were already being helped out by somebody in Tennessee in the network. And the bigger the network gets, the more likely it is you'll get that help. And so people say, well, why do we need a network? Because you need to be in contact with every single person who has the character of Christ written in their hearts and their minds. And the character of Christ is to come to serve, not just be served. So with every addition, old person that connects in this free assembly, you become richer. Your resources become greater. You can't, you can't just tap your neighbor and make him give you money like they do out in the world. But you can touch your neighbor's heart, and he may help you with a tire or money or transportation or verify that you are who you are. Can you imagine if you came somewhere and they said, well, how do I know who you are? And it says, well, what's your telephone number? And you just push a little button on redial, you contact your contact master, and he gets 500 people calling up saying, yep, that's him. Yep, that's him. Yep, that's him. <laughs> They're going to say, have a nice day. You can swap the phone lines. 
people bearing witness. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's okay. He's who he says he is. And basically our ID system is going to be dependent upon that spirit. That was one of the big problems with Christ is people not showing up. Oh, yeah, I think you got a great idea, Christ. But I got to go bury my dad. I got to go plant my crops. I got to go do my thing. And uh, I can't make it. Because they were all, wait a minute, man. we got to become those Minutemen for Christ. You start doing that. You start creating the institutions. That was one of the things Paul went to Corinth and was preaching the, the, to, uh, the, the kingdom to every creature. Well, that word for creature is actually a word for institutions. And what he was actually doing, and there's some actual... Uh, geo- uh, archaeological evidence of this is that uh, he was actually talking to the treasurer of Corinth. Corinth was very much like the kingdom of God if you go far enough back in its history, but it was all becoming corrupted too. And he was trying to convince him that you need to start collecting your taxes based on the ways of Christ. How much can you pay? I can pay this much. Okay, paid in full. Wouldn't it be great to have a tax system in your government that operated that way? Doesn't throw you into jail. Now, I know there's a lot of selfish people out there that say, yeah, I want that kind of tax system because I can't afford to pay them anything. Uh, but that's not going to work either. Because when that guy comes and says, hey, I need help. And they says, well, yeah, but you've never helped anybody. <laughs> you never Never did anything for anybody. You were always, you, you could never contribute. You were always busy, and we know you. We can identify what kind of a guy you are. We don't see you as a Christ-like guy. You don't work at this, so you don't eat. See, if you don't share, there's no motivation for anybody to share with you. If you didn't show up, why should they show up for you? You created that kind of relationship because you've been selfish. And you see, that's you have a system in the world today that's based on coveting and selfishness. And so that's why when you cry out to the gods which you have chosen, the rulers over your system, they're not going to hear you. They didn't hear you during the bank failures. Everybody was opposed to bailing out the rich banks. They did it anyway. Your gods didn't hear you. And the God of heaven didn't hear you because you haven't repented and turned around and started heading back to him. So you got to turn around. And tur- the sooner you turn around, the better. The harder you work to go in the direction of the kingdom. This kingdom is those people who want to be ruled by God in their minds and their hearts. It's not those people who join this church or that church. You don't join his holy church. You do the will of the Father. And then by free association, I shouldn't use the word association, by free assembly, we walk as one peculiar people. Because that's what makes us peculiar. Because we don't bind anybody together with anything other than the relationship of love for one another. You know, I I repeat this over and over again. (laughs) And I know some people have heard it and heard it, and all of a sudden they hear it and they say, oh, my gosh, I think I know what he's talking about. <laughs> didn't you ever hear me say, well, yeah, I guess I did, but I didn't really realize that that's the only government where we can be free. It's a government based on the perfect law of liberty. 
which is what the Bible's been talking about. Had a guy at a Bible study says, you're shattering my entire faith. I says, why? I just quote Jesus. <laughs> I just reading the quotes, right? I, he said it. We're just reading the Bible. I said, well, you know, I, I mentioned that my one of my favorite quotes, you know, not to be like the men who call themselves the benefactors who exercise authority. He says, what does it say that in the Bible? I doesn't say that. I read the whole Bible several times. It doesn't say that anywhere. And I, my computer wasn't with me, so normally I look these things up. I don't remember the numbers and chapters. So usually I just do a quick search, and I can show you all the quotes real quick. But my computer wouldn't shut down when I was leaving for Bible study, so I didn't have it with me. So I just grabbed the book. And so he says, where does it say that in the Bible? And I was trying to think of the number, the verse of the chapter, and I couldn't remember. And I opened up the book, and guess what page I was on? <laughs> that could have been a coincidence. <laughs> there it was. And I didn't look on the right side. I didn't look at the top of the page. I looked down there, and there it was. I said, oh, well, here it is. <laughs> Instantly, my fingers did the walking. <laughs> and they opened the book to the right page, and I read it. And just about shut down that Bible study. <laughs> just got down to the, where he says, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed unto me. And they go like, I never heard that. <laughs> the, the, the actual pastor of that church was actually in the next room working with new uh, members of that church. Uh, we're the old timers out here. He didn't He didn't think we needed help, but... I was about to say, well, maybe you need to change pastors because your pastor ain't telling you what you need to know, which is the words of Christ written in that book. And uh, the the conversation progressed farther and got a little heated at times by them. I could be sitting there being just as calm as could be. <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun seeking the kingdom. If you're not having fun doing it, you're not doing it right. So, anyway, uh, Paul, yep. uh, can you tell us again about those people in Tennessee and what they actually were needing? That's uh, Elisheba, one of our contact ministers. I think officially from Arkansas, and they were heading north from Chattanooga and had a blowout of one tire, and they managed to get one replacement. I guess they put a spare on and blew out another tire, and now wherever they're at, Dunlap, Tennessee. Uh, they can't find another tire, no, nothing uh, within reach. So we're looking for someone to help them reach a little further, I guess. Right. And so uh, if anybody, uh, I suppose they can call the our number. Uh, if they, they have somebody in that area that can come to their assistance or might be able to come to their assistance, they can call the same number that, uh, we dial here to get on the show. You can wait till after the show if you don't want to go on the show, but that number will still work after the show, right? Yeah, it'll come to my computer. Yeah, and so Paul can put you in touch with who help them out. Uh, you know, they're just looking for a hand here. These are not welfare people. These are hardworking Yeah, they're people. not looking for a free tire. They just need to be able to get one. Yeah. So if anybody's anywhere in that Dunlap, Tennessee area that might have a tire or might know somebody, you got a cousin there in Tennessee, <laughs> call them up. Say, hey, you know where you can get a 16-inch tire in yeah, <laughs> Dunlap, Tennessee? So this is your chance to shine as a network of kingdom people. So we'll we'll give you a reporter on uh, Freedomizer if, 
if we had any success. <laughs> so if you do get success in that area, let me know. Will do. Um, and uh, let's talk about some of the other uh, festivals that we're going to have. we got one in Missouri coming up. Yeah, I wish we could get Brent to call in and tell us about it. He's in the chat room. Yeah, that'd be great. Brent, if you're out there listening, call in or anybody else who has a lot of information on that. But that's around April 22nd or so? Yeah, I think Friday is the 20th, April 20th, 21st, 22nd. It's a whole weekend. And you've been to this spot before, haven't you, Paul? I have. I was there last fall during the uh, same time as the uh, festival out in Oregon. Right. And so now we're offsetting it a little bit, which is a good thing, I I guess. And uh, I actually toyed with the idea of trying to get over there myself, but uh, it hasn't worked out yet that I could do that. <laughs> We've got a month we'll to make that happen. Say again? Oh, we got a month to make that <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, but anyway, we'll see what God wants us to do when the time comes. Um but anyway, uh, so that's gonna, that's a pretty beautiful spot, I hear. Uh, it's got some facilities there. Oh, yeah, it's got an excellent, uh, area for camping, setting up tents, or, uh, David, our, our mobile contact minister, one of them, uh, brought his semi truck, and he just stayed in the, the cab of that, and he can bring RVs, and it's got a wonderful, uh, what would you call it, a community, Building. It's got a kitchen area and a place to set up tables and discuss things. And there's a lake nearby, and it was beautiful because it was in the fall. All the color changing on the trees. It'll be a little different in spring. Hopefully, warm enough for tents. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope I can get down there. Right, and uh, so and everybody's invited to come. Uh, you don't have to be in the network if you want to come in and kind of stick your toe in the water and meet some of the people. Uh, you can certainly come down there and do that. Uh, and uh, the details of that will be on, uh, I guess they got a brochure or flyer out or something, uh, but on uh, preparingyou.com, uh, I think you go to the events page. and uh, Actually, I got that kind of open right now. I don't know. I assume that it's up there. Uh, I'm leaving that to everybody else to make that happen. <laughs> I think it's up there, too. I think they've done a good job keeping yep. it current. And uh, that's what I, I constantly am finding that, oh, somebody's been working. Somebody's been to this page. Somebody's fixed this up. <laughs> so anyway, there's uh, uh we should probably put these on. I can see uh, uh, some of them on this page. You have to scan down and find it. But uh, some stuff going on in Pennsylvania. And other places, uh, uh, and some of the older events. But we'll, uh, and then you just link to those and you can find out more about that. But we should probably put these on in the order of when they're coming. Uh, so we'll, we'll get that organized even a little bit better. But I see the Missouri one, uh, is, is listed here. Uh, and then you go to another link and it will give you all the details of, uh, the event. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess Jarvis didn't call in, but, uh, uh, let's see, we'll have to, we'll have to work on that event stage. <laughs> but anyway, we'll get that up so that people can go. And then, of course, if you're on the Living Network, you just ask the question and people will send you the information. 
uh, and those are those contact points, all those PCMs. Everybody on the network should pick a PCM. And then they're on another group that talks about a lot of these things and organizes these things. So if you know a good organizer who wants to be a part of this, let's get them on the PCM group. You can't just join that. You have to kind of get elected. Somebody has to identify you as somebody who wants to help. And then we'll get you on that group, and uh, then you help as much as you can, and you don't help as much as you can, and uh, and uh, whatever it comes, because it's the perfect law of liberty. So everybody works at it as they can, and it gets done. And uh, we end up creating a network of doers of the word instead of just hearers only because we're not we're not the kind of church where everybody gets to sit in the pew and somebody else has to do all the work that's the way you see in a lot of churches where you got about 10 percent of the people of the church that are actually doing something then you'll get another 20 percent or 30 percent that actually contribute and then the rest of the guys just kind of show up and uh, that's not that's not going to work that doesn't work in the kingdom it's not supposed to work in the kingdom those who don't work don't eat. Uh, those who are are lazy and uh, and don't uh, contribute in any way, shape, or form, and just expect uh, handouts. There's another government out there for them, <laughs> and that's where they should be going. <laughs> and uh, we wish them all the best. Uh, but those who actually want to be like Christ, who is a doer, uh, let's start gathering together with them. So, uh, any other announcements that you can think of that we got coming up? Uh, is there something going on in the middle of the summer? Uh, maybe Michael knows about that. They were talking about something up there in the North Dakota, South Dakota area. Yeah, around July, they're trying to set up a meeting. They don't have dates on it yet, but near uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Okay, right. Yeah, I heard uh, David Catherine was talking or something about that. So anyway, we'll get that on the events page, and we'll get that events page organized a little bit better so that they can just see, you know, hey, this happened here, this happened there, this happened. So you, wherever you're at, you know where to go. And we'll kind of organize it, what's coming up next on the Living Network. And uh, But if you join, we'll be sending out reminders, and uh, and and then you can actually become a part of the planning uh, operation. And uh, also, we got lots of gardens going up. We sent out some seeds to people who requested seeds of the sweet meat squash. We grew, uh, I don't know how many pounds of seeds we grew of that. We hope to grow even more this next year uh, because we found that uh, eating the sweet meat squash, we got reports from people with diabetes that they didn't need to take their insulin whenever they ate that squash in the evening, which we thought was kind of interesting. Uh, we also had reports that people with kind of a nervous stomach uh, problems, you know, uh, they ate it and it actually helped them. Uh, And it's a tremendous producer, and we've had uh, real good luck with keeping uh, that squash long through the winter, even into the spring. Uh, We're finding out that it keeps better if you keep it in a dry place uh, rather than a cold, uh, damp place like potatoes and carrots like. So that's something that we're learning also. But anyway, we're coming up on the end of the program. We have another program this afternoon at 3 o'clock, and all that information is on the website. Thanks, Paul, for being there. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Don Terry. Thanks, everybody. God bless.
You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.